Welcome back once again to Easy Street. It's True Crime on Easy Street. How are you guys? I am great. I'm wearing the same thing that I was wearing the last time we were all in this room together, but I'm doing great otherwise. I wondered what that smell was. <clears throat> That's it. That's yep. what happens when you have five shirts, Scott. I mean, they, you got to repeat them at <laughs> some point. I love these five shirts, Katie. <laughs> they they do look nice on you. you. I love that. I'm going to wash them all tonight. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. You should. See you next week. Again with the smell. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us again this week. My name is Kelly Turner. And I'm not a doctor. My name is Scott Wright, and I am a mediocre journalist. I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer. And as I said before, this is true crime on Easy Street. Um, guys, what did you do this past week? Um, we did you do like anything different? Uh, no, kind of the same as last week. <laughs> Almost exactly what I did since the last time we've spoken. Uh, Halloween has taken place. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving. I assume. Does everybody mm-hmm. have their dinner plans? Uh, I do. You cooking a turkey? Or? No, I I have a few set things that I bring every year mm. to the Thanksgiving meal. Green uh, bean casserole. Uh, yes, love it. Save you me just some. threw that out there. Please but save I did, me some. Yes, I, I do the it. green bean casserole, and I do the sweet potato casserole. <gasps> oh, I'm I'm save mm-hmm. me some, or I'm just going to start banging on the door. Now, let me ask you this, uh-huh. because this is very important to me. There are two kinds of people in this world: sweet potato pie. Sweet potato casserole using pecans and brown sugar or sweet potato casserole using marshmallows? Pecans and brown sugar, duh. Pecans Thank and brown sugar. You, those are my people. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, look, if you're a listener and you use marshmallows, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Just we're, don't we're bring it gonna, to Kelly's house. Don't bring that up in my house, though. <laughs> but in my world, Christmas starts on November 1st. We do celebrate Thanksgiving on mm. on November 25th, but then we go right back to Christmas. Oh, yep. It's Christmas for two months. Yeah. So do you put your decorations out early? Yeah, I would have them out already if Shane would get them out of the attic for me. So <laughs> if I get a phone call from your husband in the next couple of days and he asks me if I have a stepladder, I should say no and tell him I have something to do that afternoon. Scott, I'm five feet tall. We have all the stepladders. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love Thanksgiving. See, I love Thanksgiving too, but I don't think it needs any lead up. Like I like the day, but I put so much out for Christmas. And I think you put a lot out for Christmas too, Kelly. I do. That I want to be able to enjoy it before I have to put it all right back up. And that's a really good point. I, I wait and keep my fall pumpkins. I have fall and then I have Halloween. So, oh, see, I just have Halloween decor. I okay, do so I'm, fall I'm decor. putting up the, the Halloween and I'm leaving out the fall and I'll leave the fall out until Thanksgiving Day. And then either that day or the day after, we start pulling out the Christmas stuff so that we can experience it and enjoy it, you know, for an entire month at least. Let me sometimes tell you, I go through New Year's. Let me tell you how long it takes me to decorate my home for Christmas. Okay, tell me. Eight seconds. Because I have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree in the closet. I get it out. It's one ball. I I plug it it in. It's got the little blue blanket that goes around. And I I put that in the middle of my dining room table. 
finished. I love Charlie well, Brown. It yeah, takes so me a whole day just to do the tree because we have like a 12 foot tree and it. I have to like move the ladder. Yes. It's, it's a whole thing. I will come I over do and- one day of, of just deck, sit arounds and, and do lollies mm-hmm. and then a whole nother day for tree. Yeah, I do the same thing. Well, maybe you guys can put some pictures of those up on our Instagram page because I won't see anything like that otherwise. Well, I've got to so, see your Charlie Brown tree. But done. you know what? My favorite Let's Charlie Brown, my favorite Charlie Brown holiday episode is the Thanksgiving one by far. Oh, Great pumpkin. Yeah. No, no, that's the, Thanksgiving. The, oh, that's, that's the Halloween it's one. The one. It's the what one where the, Snoopy is fighting with the chair. They're trying to set up the chair for Peppermint yes, Patty. And my bad. They're making the popcorn and the toast it's and the jelly beans. You know, there's that's so the many, best Charlie Brown. There's so many uh, entertainment venues now. I, I don't watch network television that much more. And it's probably available in one of the streaming services, Netflix or, or HBO or something. But Surely. it's been a long time since I've seen any of the traditional Halloween uh, holiday specials. I can't remember the last oh, time I the, saw Rudolph the, the, Charlie the Reindeer. Runs, the Charlie Runs are awesome, but the Thanksgiving, right. in my opinion, is the best. But now I'm... Now I'm hungry, so let's <laughs> let's move past let's Thanksgiving move dinner and let's get to a story. Scott, we have a story today that is, um, I, I keep asking you to give me one word that describes your stories. Oh. And I know you've used bockers and, and crap nuts. Yeah, hyphenated. Yeah, okay. Uh, Do you have a word for this? Is there a word for this one? Loony. Okay. Wait. Scott, the other night, you gave me a word for this story. Oh, what did I say? Can, it, can we say it on the air? <laughs> it, yeah. It Are was, we going to get an E rating? <laughs> no, it was more of a sound. Oh. Oh, was it like a, was that, it a raspberry? You, was I, it? I, oh, that's exactly what you did. Yeah, it's that. And I said, remember it, Scott. Well, now I do. Well, I, okay, I get it. Why didn't she just tell me that before we turn on the microphone? I didn't she knew think you were going to ask. <laughs> All right, I'm going to turn this over to you okay. and, and let you set the table for us. All right, so this is a case that takes place in 1982. And if you guys will re- recall, the very first case that we ever did on this podcast also took place in 1982, right about the time that this was happening. This happened about three weeks after Judith and Alvin Neely kidnapped Lisa Milliken from the mall in Rome, Georgia. Seriously. And committed that crime. How far away? Is this crime that happened? Uh, from the Rome Mall, about 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not very wow. far at all from okay. what used to be the Rome Mall. Okay. So here we are back in 82, and we didn't do the Set the Table segment then. That was, still, that was the first show. We were still trying to figure out exactly how, what the show was going to be, so we hadn't really done that. So just quickly, a few things that were going on in 1982. Uh, that was the very first time in January of 82 that the uh, San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl, and they went on to win several Super Bowls in the 80s, Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and Roger Craig and, and all those guys, but that was the very first time uh, in January of 82. On March the 20th of 1982, <clears throat> I turned 12 years old, and my gift for my birthday was to be taken to Atlanta Motor Speedway to see the NASCAR race, and the night before, we got to go to the hotel across the street where there was a Richard Petty fan club meeting. I got my picture taken with Richard Petty for the very first time in my life. That picture is on my refrigerator right now to this day oh that's cute all right uh on may the 1st of 1982 the world's fair opened in knoxville if you've ever driven through knoxville probably on your way to somewhere else uh but there's this huge uh gold glass ball on top of a tower that is 266 feet tall and that is called the sun sphere and that was built as the uh central location of the 82 world's fair 
and it is still there today. But it opened, and uh, 100,000 people attended the opening day. I didn't go. I don't know why my parents didn't take me to the World's Fair that close to home, but they did not. Uh, and 11 million people attended it over the course of its six-month opening. And I don't know that there's really been a World's Fair in this country since then. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, the Weather Channel first aired on May the 2nd of 1982. On May the 30th, if you're a baseball fan, you may have heard the name Cal Ripken Jr. Yes. And on that day, he started for the first time in what turned out to be 2,632 consecutive Major League Baseball starts. That is the all-time Major League record. Oh, my goodness. And he started it on May the 30th, 1982. I'm telling you, a lot of cool things happened in 82. The last time I did this, it was over in 30 seconds. Nothing happened in 06. Mm-hmm. But 82... Completely different. Uh, one of the reasons that I am a mediocre journalist in, in September, uh, USA Today was founded in the United States. And I became a, I was, I've been in love with USA Today since the first time I ever got my hands on one. And I still look for one when I go on vacation today. You can't get one around here anymore because it's such a, a rural area. But when I go to Gadsden or Rome or uh, to the airport in Atlanta, I've got to have a USA Today. So that's your plane reading. Yes, every time. When, when I travel with your husband in two weeks, I will have a USA Today opened as wide as it will go. He will complain when we get back about the fact that he was elbowed out of the way in his seat for the entire duration of our flight because I was reading USA Today the entire time. <laughs> uh, on November the 13th, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial was dedicated in Washington, D.C. On November the 30th, a thriller was released oh my in the United States of America. You, they couldn't release that 30 days earlier? Right? Uh, I don't November know. November the 30th? In, just in time for the holidays, right? I mean, I shouldn't really question Michael, but... Yeah. Know, I mean, don't. Come on, Michael. One month ahead of time. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. It was December a great the, video. On December the 12th of 1982, which is the day that the murder that we're going to talk about in a minute took place, if you're an NFL fan and you were around then and you remember uh, watching uh, NFL games, that was the day of the infamous snowplow game. And what happened on that day in Foxborough, Massachusetts... The Dolphins were playing the Patriots in the middle of a blizzard. Four minutes left in the game, no score, 0-0. Ron Meyer, the coach of the Patriots at the time, has the guy driving the snowplow run out onto the field right before the Patriots attempt to kick a field goal and cleans off a spot on the turf so that they can place the ball for the kick, and they make the kick. Don Shula is going nuts on the sidelines the entire time this is happening. Because he's saying that's special treatment. That's not fair. Okay. And he was right. They, they haven't done that for us all day. If you think the Patriots have ever cheated before, you can trace it back maybe to <laughs> December the 12th, 1982, when that all began. But anyway, they won the game uh, three to nothing. And then on so December... They, and they were cool with it. They were okay with that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think they might have changed the rules about uh, bringing... Well, maybe playing in a blizzard. I don't, I don't think they'd play in oh, a no, blizzard they're, today. They're still going to play in a blizzard. I just don't think that they will let you call out the snowplow guy. Uh, to clean off a spot for your place kicker. Well, not if you're not going to do it for both teams. Right. You would think it would. Yeah. They'll, okay, they'll play in enough snow to where you can't place the ball on the ground. New rule. I don't know. Uh, and then on December the 29th of 1982, uh, Paul Bear Bryant coached his final college football game. Uh, Alabama won the Liberty Bowl in Memphis 21 to 15. And Coach Bryant was dead one month later of a heart attack at age 69. Insane. Oh, I, wow. Every time I hear that, that I just think it's insane. One yeah. month without football. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So, uh, so here we are in 1982, and um, 
I have done a good bit of research about this. And what we're talking about is the Corpsewood Manor. And this was murders. a requested case. By several people. Mm-hmm. And I've told a lot of people in the last week and a half since I've been doing this research that we were going to do it soon. I have had to show three people how to put Spotify on their iPhones just so that they could listen to it when it comes out. This is a highly anticipated one. And we were a lot gonna, of people know about this one. We were actually going to try to get to this in the month of October because of the just the name Corpsewood right. and, yeah. and it, have it more as part of our Halloween lineup. But we just have so many and we've had so many mm-hmm. requests and it's just really hard. But we're we're getting to it now in November and it's yeah, it's not any less terrifying. We're never going to run out of material. It's always October on Easy Street. It is. It really That's is. That's a great. You know what? That's our T-shirt. It's always October <laughs> at Easy Street. When those finally happen, there, there is a lot. Yeah, when we finally get merch, there is a lot of uh, information out there about this. A lot of YouTube videos, several books. I found. I've read three books about this. I found one that's definitive that I think that really does a great job. It's a long book. It's seven hundred pages, and I haven't finished it. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos and there's a lot of ignorance about exactly what it was that took there's place some, in 82. There's some uh, Facebook groups too. Corpsewood yeah. fa- uh, Facebook groups. The Corpsewood Facebook book seems like they are doing a pretty good job of getting out the word of what really took place that day. But there's a lot of folks who you know, read a paragraph on the internet and then they load up in the car and they drive up there and they, do, they take a video and put it on YouTube and they get a lot of the facts wrong. And I don't want to, I'm not here to judge anyone else, but you know, I read enough to know that a lot of the things that I have seen are inaccurate. So, okay. you know, so use, set, you're going to set the record straight for us. Well, I'm going to try. This, and before episode. you do your own research, or if you do your own research, make sure and use multiple sources and, mm. and cross reference the facts. And don't and just get go it right. with, with what someone's saying just on the internet. Don't go with the first thing you hear because a lot of it's not. So can you, and you may get to this, Scott, and I'll just, just tell me to no. shut up. No, no, keep um, asking. Where is Corpse Wood? Tell me how. If I wanted exactly. to get there, I mean, I, you could look it up and it'll, it'll give you the, uh, 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 the coordinates to get there exactly. But basically from here, it's about 35 minutes, 40 minutes um, east. And okay. you would go towards, uh, and that's one thing that bugged me. It's in Tryon, Georgia. T-R-I-O-N. Yeah, okay. Tryon, Georgia. Tryon, Trion, just a lot of folks on YouTube. Tryon, Georgia? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I right. mean, that's how we all say it around here, but yeah. a lot of the folks on YouTube don't know how to pronounce the so word. So that's how you know you've got somebody who really doesn't know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's like when somebody you meet somebody here and they say, hey, I'm just here on Lake Weiss. Oh. Uh, like, no, it's Weiss Lake, pal. Do not come yeah. up in here. Get that right. Why do you say Lake <laughs> Weiss to us? But anyway, so it's about, let's call it 45 minutes away. It's, it's not too far from here. In fact, I considered trying to drive up there and, and check it out myself, but I saw so many YouTube videos and there's not much left of it anymore. And I didn't really feel like I was going to get anything out of it except probably a pair of muddy shoes and, and maybe the muffler knocked off my car. So the road is not good. Yeah, your car no. is not for all. My car is not made for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where it was. And the reason that these two men were in that house is because a, a man named Charles Scudder... Uh, who was a professor at Loyola University in Chicago. Okay. And he studied, uh, he, he, he studied the effects of drugs on the mind. Uh, he worked in the School of Medicine there at Loyola in Chicago. But he kind of wanted to get out of the big city. He had enough of the rat race. His children were grown. He had a, uh, a boyfriend that had been with him for over 10 years, 15 years. And his name was Joey Odom. And Dr. Scudder was a, a very well-established professor at Loyola. His friend Joey 
uh, had a fifth grade education, but he had street smarts. He was a, very much uh, a guy who had common sense, and he stuck around with uh, Dr. Scudder as sort of the, uh, the maintenance guy. Scudder lived on Adams Street in West Chicago, and I actually Googled the address on Google Maps and stood in front of his house, the house that he had lived in. I, I think it's the same place. It looks like what he described or what was described. And there's a really fantastic view of the Sears Tower, which is called the Willis Tower now, the tallest building in Chicago. Down at one end of the street, it's four miles away, but you can see it clearly. It's the tallest thing for a long ways uh, when you're in Chicago. So it seemed like a nice enough neighborhood, but for whatever reason, Dr. Scudder was tired of it. He was ready to go do something else. So on the day of his 50th birthday, he put in his retirement papers, sold everything he had, uh, and he'd done some research before. He knew that he was going to buy a 40-acre piece of property in the Chattahoochee National Forest here uh, right across the state line in Northwest Georgia. And it's not in the forest. It's the only piece of property that's not part of that forest. It's surrounded on all sides by the Chattahoochee National Forest, but it was a 40-acre piece of property that he bought for $10,500 in 1982. Holy cow. That's about $30,000 worth of $21. I looked it up. Wow. Wow. So, uh, you know, probably nobody wanted it. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no amenities at all. It just turned out that they found the one guy that wanted to move out in the middle of nowhere. He didn't want TV. He he didn't want running water? He didn't want any of it. He wanted to go out and live in the woods. He wrote an article in a a magazine that is still a magazine that you can pick up uh, today. It's called uh, Mother Earth News. And it's a book, it's a magazine, it's a bi-monthly publication that tells people how to live off the land, uh, to, to use renewables for their energy sources, to put up solar panels, uh, how to plant a garden. And he, had, he actually wrote, after he had already moved to this piece of property and started the house that they built together, the two of them by hand with 45,000 bricks, it took them two years to build it. And it became known colloquially uh, in the area as Corpsewood Manor. They named the property Corpsewood themselves uh, because the trees were all, there was a patch of dead trees that kind of looked like a tree graveyard. So they called it Corpsewood. The dead, guy was pretty smart. Trees. He was a professor. Okay. So where did they live while they were building this They lived house? in a trailer that they, that they pulled up and lived in okay. while okay. they were building it. And all Which of the- Which is pretty common around here. Yeah, yeah, it's, not yeah. That, it's not that abnormal. Okay. Uh, and they didn't rent a storage building. One of the things they did was that all of the antiques that Dr. Scudder had collected over the course of his life, 50 years living in this mansion, he called it, in Chicago, it looked more like a three-story row house. But hey, whatever. Uh, it was a mansion to him. He made a pretty good money as a as an associate professor at Loyola. But anyway, when he sold all of that, he had some antiques that he wanted to keep. So they took them down to uh, Corpsewood Manor and they covered them with plastic and they put rocks around the edges and they sat there for long enough to get the house built so that they could take everything inside. Uh, a big canopy bed and some old dressers and end tables and bookshelves. <clears throat> you can see some of them in the crime scene photos if you are so inclined. Um, so while they were building this house with 45,000 bricks, and it's a strange-shaped house. It's, it's sort of an oval-shaped house. It's, it's rounded on both ends. It's about 45 feet long. It was about 16 feet wide. Again, there's no electricity. There's no running water. So it's not a, it's not a really big house. It's I, not I th- that big. I think of a manor, yeah, the and word I think m- a big It's home. not really that. It wasn't really that big, but it was, it was imposing out in the middle of the wilderness if you just mm-hmm. walked up on it or drove up, you could drive up to it back then. I mean, they mm-hmm. built the, it was an old logging road, I think. Was it multiple stories? It was two stories tall. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Uh, and it took him about two years to, to, to build it, to get it, okay. to get it uh, dried in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very basic. There was a spiral staircase that went up to the second floor where their bedrooms were. There was a drawbridge that went over to a, <laughs> an archway that hovered over the front door, but there was a second level on it, and you could drop the drawbridge and go over to it, and that's where they drank tea in the afternoons after they finished their daily chores. I don't think you know what the term basic means. Maybe I don't. This house had a drawbridge. <laughs> Draw, you said this very basic spiral staircase drawbridge. Yeah, okay. Does, does it have a moat? Uh, no, but they were working on a pond. Okay. Uh, at the time, uh, maybe to to put fish in to to eat out of sure. because they had gardens and uh, one of the things that they did was they made their own wine. They had they had planted some uh, some fruit trees and they borrowed uh, vegetables and fruits from their neighbors. And one of the things that they always had on hand was homemade wine. And I guess if you have no TV, you have time, plenty of time to make your own wine. Plenty of time. And to build to your weed, own house. To weed the garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, build your own house, dig I mean, a they pond. They are living off the land. 100%. Okay. As, as much as they can. In fact, uh, Dr. Scudder himself only went to town once a month to get groceries and supplies. And Joey Odom hardly ever left the property at all. So they... Absolutely kept to themselves. Was there power? Did we establish that? Yeah. No electricity. No electricity. Everything that they had there, they had a propane-powered refrigerator that they buried in the ground uh, just to keep, you know, to sort of act as a, as a root cellar, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then they, it was powered by propane so that the freezer would work and they could have ice and keep things frozen. Okay. Um, and Mother Earth News is where you can read about Dr. Scudder wrote a long article after they had already pretty much completed the construction of the project to explain to other people who like to read Mother Earth News how they had done it and to, give, to offer some advice about how you could do it as well mm-hmm. if you were so inclined. Okay. Um, let me make sure. I'm on the wrong. Okay. Let me get my other screen here. So they moved. They build uh, um, Corpsewood Manor out in the middle of nowhere. Um, 45,000 bricks. And one of the things that you might not know if you just look at what people on YouTube say, it would seem like they were outcasts in the community from the beginning. And sure, there were some people who thought that, hey, these two obviously homosexual individuals in 1982 in Northwest Georgia, they're out of place. We don't want to have anything to do with them. But they had a lot of friends in the community, a lot of the folks who gave them the fruits that they used to make wine or that came up to visit. They had a Christian wedding. Uh, in their backyard for a couple who couldn't afford a real wedding. Uh, so let's get rid of that whole devil worship crap right now. They were they were yeah, not because devil that is, worshipers. Yeah, that's definitely one of the rumors that surrounds this is that the two were uh, devil worshipers living yeah. out in the woods. Well, and so that's not true is what you're saying. I'm telling you that by everything that I could find that is not true because d- just to be clear, Dr. Scudder had written to the Church of Satan, which was established in San Francisco in 1966, uh, and asked for some literature. He wanted to learn more about it because Dr. Scudder was an atheist. Joey Odom was a Catholic, and they had this running joke amongst their friends every time that they would go into a place where they were, uh, where their friends were, and they came in together. Uh, Scudder would always introduce us as, "Hey, it's it's the two devil worshippers," and Joey Odom would always go, "Hey, smartass, you speak for yourself. I'm Catholic." Okay. It was kind of their running joke that they had. So when he they would, would joke into, about it, but yes. it was there was no. 
So he gets the material from the Church of right. Satan, mm-hmm. but that was as far as that was it. See, he just I'll, wanted material. Online, the term I read was he was a card carrying Satanist. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe so. I mean, again, that just depends on whose version right. of the truth you read. But here's something you need to know about the Church of Satan: the word Satan in the Church of Satan doesn't imply a devil. It's taken from the Hebrew word, which means archenemy. Satanists don't worship a deity of any kind. They don't worship the devil or Mephistopheles or Beelzebub or whoever you think. That's not a thing. They don't, they're atheists. They don't believe in God or the devil. And you can't worship something you don't believe in. Why are they called the Church of Satan? Because the word Satan is taken from the Hebrew word, which means archenemy. And the, the, so what, the do basic, they, what do they worship? Yeah, what, why are they a church? The basic tenets of, of Satanism are that you should be able to do whatever you want to don't be inhibited by the norms and the rules of society. Whatever you want to do, if you want to make your own wine or you want to be gay with your lover and live in your house together or, or whatever you might want to imbibe in, there was some LSD involved in this whole thing uh, because Dr. Scudder brought some with him after he retired. He had, a, he had three vials of LSD and each one of them had 4,000 doses of LSD. One drop he, at a was time. Was he microdosing? I suppose he would know how to do it because that was his profession. He judged the, or he he documented and researched the effects of drugs like LSD on the human mind for thirty years at Loyola before he retired. Okay, so so one guy is Catholic for sure, right? The other guy jokes about being a Satanist. Yes, and they are homosexual. Okay, but they have this Christian wedding. On their property, yes, and yes, or some friends of theirs who could not afford their own wedding. So a, a pastor or priest or, or in fact, the, the, came the, and, and performed they, the wedding. They went and got a pastor and brought him up this long logging road and brought him there. And he he didn't have any problem being on the property. He wasn't concerned about the fact that he was being surrounded by devil worshippers, which mm-hmm. is you know maybe people I'm, there may be people out there who do worship the devil, but they are not members of the Church of Satan. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so one of the things that you will see and hear a lot about uh, the way that, that Scudder and Odom lived is that in, a, in addition to the, to the two-story brick house, they had what was called the chicken house, which was an adjacent structure that was three stories tall. It was only about as big around or, or as big square as this room. I mean, this is about a, what, a 12 by 12, 14 by 14 foot room maybe that we're in. So imagine that this is boxed in on its, on its bottom floor, on its ground floor, and it's where they had... They kept live chickens there. Okay. The second floor, you go up a ladder that's nailed to the wall, and on the second floor, that's where they kept their canned goods. Okay. You know, fruits and vegetables, whatever Mm -hmm. they had canned from their garden. The pantry. Yes. And then you go up to the third floor, and it was a... it's called the pink room in a lot of the a lot of the literature, and people want to say that it's where they had their sex orgies and their parties. And I'm sure that sex took place up there at some point, but it was built to be a guest room for anybody who came to stay with them because Scudder didn't want people in his house. So you would have to climb past the chickens. Yes. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No. And, through and the pantry. Through the pantry up to the third floor. Okay. And Is there a restroom? On there, they're thing? on the property. Yes, there was go to the bathroom. There was a chemical toilet in the yard that was surrounded by another brick structure. Uh, it oh, it okay. just it looks like a one story right. you know guard tower, and there were okay. two of those. One of them protected uh, a well that they had uh, that Scudder had drilled on the property. It was 160 feet deep, so they had their own water. Okay, mm-hmm. and then they put in a chemical toilet and a uh, and a septic tank. All right, fancy. So you know it was it was good enough for them. 
Yeah. Um, I don't want to be a guest. Yeah. I don't no, I, thank no, you. Well, there was a lot of talk about that pink room and all the things that allegedly took place up there, especially after the murders took place. But there's a story in the book that I read about how the room came to be pink, and it's because one of their friends donated some supplies to them as they were building the house, and, and one of the things that they found in a cupboard somewhere was two gallons of antique pink house paint. So they just used it. They, if it, We'd be calling it the blue room if they had found two, ca- two gallons of blue. Or if we were calling it the red room, that'd be a whole different Or the red room. Yeah, well, that so would make sense, right? Yeah. I don't know. And they maybe. didn't call it that. No, it's a pink room. So there was, there was a chair and there was a mattress and there was a, a wood stove. Those things were upstairs and that's where guests stayed when they came to visit. And one of the things that I did read that I do believe is there are a lot of people from the Chattooga County, Somerville and Tryon area who were curious. They would drive up and check out the place. And one of the stories that you will that you'll read about how Scudder would always determine whether or not somebody was going to be welcome at his house. He wouldn't say, Hey, who are you? He would yell and say, Hey, who am I? And if you could tell me what my name is, then you can get out of the car and hang around for a little while. Here's some free wine. You want to go upstairs and mind your own business. That's fine with me. There's the ladder. See you when you get finished. That's about the extent of what I can determine happened on this property. But after the murders took place, panic ensues. Well, wait a minute. People were, People would just show up and, and he would say, hey, do you want to use the pink room? Well, I don't know that he said what? that specifically, but oh. that was where, if it was, especially if it was cold outside, like it was on December the 12th, 1982, that's where you would go to warm up because there was a wood stove up there and there was a warm place to sit down. So you're not going to get inside. You do not go wood. inside Dr. Scudder's home. That was a hard rule. That was just Dr. Scudder and Odom. Odom? Yes, Joey, last, okay. Joey Joey Odom. Odom. They could go in the main house. You had to go. If to you the came pantry. to visit, you didn't get invited into the main house. Okay, that was just the level of I mean, privacy I, I that they insisted on. The rules. Okay. Yeah, right? Did they go to the pink room with you? Uh, sometimes they would, and on the okay. on the night in question, they did. And let me just okay. make sure that I haven't right. skipped over anything. The homemade wine. Uh, okay, so let's get to the night that the murders take place. So we've kind of established okay. the the sort of life lives that Scudder and Odom lived at Corpsewood Manor. Uh, They moved there in uh, 77. So by 79, they had the house built. So for three years, they interact with the community. People come up and visit. They have friends. They host a wedding for some of their Catholic friends, some of Joey Odom's Catholic friends. And so as far as you know, the community doesn't really have a problem well, with them. Well, there's one story about how the sheriff's department tried to give them a hard time initially when mm-hmm. they got there, you know, just outsiders. Oh. And for, you know, to them, I don't know if it was and a homosexual be, thing or just hate. And Yankees. And hey, these guys are from up north. You yeah. know how that used to be around here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a little bit of a, let's make sure, let's see if it, let's try a little bit to run these guys off and see if it works. But it didn't. They were going to hang around. They were intent on living there for the rest of their lives. Okay. And so people from the community would come up and hang out and, and Scudder would, uh, and Odom would welcome them with open arms. Okay. Uh, and one of the people who decided to come and hang out with them in early December or maybe late November of 1982 was a 17-year-old boy named Avery Brock. And he had gone up and hung out with, uh, with Scudder and Odom and they had gone to the pink room and there, uh, allegedly there was, a sexual, there was a consensual sexual incident that happened between Scudder and Odom. Okay. Um, and so... Uh, Scudder and Odom. I'm sorry, Scudder and Brock. Scudder and Brock, I'm the sorry. visitor, the 17-year-old. Scudder is the doctor. Yes, Dr. Okay. Scudder is the professor from Okay, so Loyola. there's an incident, okay. Allegedly. Okay. Um, and so uh, Brock knows this guy, this other guy named uh, 
Anthony West, Tony West. He's older. He's in his late 20s. And he's been, he's a bad seed. This guy's a bad dude. Mm. Uh, he has already shot and killed one person in a childhood incident. It was an accident. Honestly, it was, I mean, he was 10 years old and it was just a bad accident. But later on in his adult life, in his early 20s, he is playing poker with his brother-in-law and another friend at his sister's house and an argument ensues and he shoots his brother-in-law four times with a pistol as his brother-in-law is trying to climb out the window to get away from his crazy ass. I can only assume because all four shots were in the back. Wow. So, and he pled guilty to attempted murder in Tennessee. Okay. Three-year sentence, spent 18 months in jail. Why? Yeah. Why? If only he, that hadn't happened, we might not be sitting here talking about this today. Oh, God. So 18 months later, he's out, and so he moves back to Georgia where he has family, and they have a vacant trailer in the back of the property somewhere, so he moves in there, and not too long after, Brock moves in with him, and it's just after this incident has taken place between Brock and Scudder in the pink room. Okay. So, so Brock doesn't live with his family. No. Well, he, he goes back and forth. He kinda, there's no power and there's no uh, water at this trailer in the back of the property that Wes lives in either, but his family doesn't really want to have anything to do with him. So you go live in the trailer in the back of the property. We don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Is it You're because, an because of the incident that's happened at Corpse? Like, is it because, is he gay and they're saying, yeah, you can't live with us? No, 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 or no, no. Is it, okay. No, and it wasn't Wes that was involved in the incident. On the third floor, it was Brock. No, I'm talking about Brock's oh, okay. family. No, 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 so nothing like that. Why no, he is just, Brock? He's, why he's is 17. He's quit old? school. He's got a job. He wants to live on his own. So he okay. meets this All right, guy. I got you. Okay. He meets this okay. guy. So they're, hey, we're gonna we're gonna move. So they're together. roommates. They're roommates. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Brock is telling West, "Hey, we need to go meet the funny guys up at Corpsewood. Okay. You'll love them. They give away free wine. Okay. You know. So they go up and visit them. And that is on December the 10th. That is two days before the murders take place. And Brock, the 17-year-old, already has it in his, in his mind that he wants to rob them because he's 17 years old and he's an idiot like every 17-year-old is. Sorry, 17-year-olds out there listening. Um, but he thinks they must be rich because they have a big, nice house. And again, this gets back to the everybody else. I mean, a lot of folks in that area are living much less grandly. There's a lot of poverty yeah. in the area. So they think that this... That, Corpsewood Manor sounds like a mansion to them, and it looks big enough and imposing enough when they drive up in the middle of the woods, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, I mean, looking at a place that doesn't have electricity or running water and thinking, wow, they're rich. I'm mm. going to rob them. Well, <laughs> hundreds of candles and, and gargoyles on the corners and pentagrams hanging from the, from the chimneys on the roof. I mean, it's, it's, it was an extravagant thing. They have pentagrams hanging? They had pentagrams. Yeah, he had pentagrams everywhere. He had pentagrams on the doors of his Jeep that West and Brock stole after they... Well, that's why everybody's calling him a Satanist. Yeah. Well, to him, it's a gag. Mm -hmm. He's just... He picked the wrong wrong place to make a Church of Satan gag, as it turns out. Okay, I've got you. Um, So Brock wants to commit a robbery on the 10th and West, who I think maybe is the smarter of the two of these people, because at least he's been in prison before. And he thinks maybe I don't want to go back to prison. Let's don't rob these guys. So he talks Brock out of it. And that incenses Brock because one of the excuses that West uses is look, we don't have, we need a gun because they have two giant dogs that live with them. Uh, do you guys know what an English Mastiff is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So they have two of those. And I looked it up yesterday, and a Mastiff, a full-grown Mastiff, can weigh 230 pounds. Oh, my God. And they had two of them. 
Those are big dogs. So Wes tells Brock, listen, this is nuts. We need a gun if we're going to go up there and rob them. And we don't have one. So they get back in the car and they leave with the plan not having been implemented. Good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, here comes bad after good. So two days later, they're sitting around having another conversation about going back up there. And they're headed that way again. They're walking out the door, Brock and West are. And they're at West's parents' house. And there are two teenagers in the house who are on their first date. Uh, Wells, I forget Wells' first name. I think it's another Tony, isn't it? Or is it Joey? No, it's Joey. Uh, I think that's right. Anyway, Wells is 19, and he is Tony West's nephew. Okay. He is on the first date with a girl named Teresa Hudgens, who is 17. And I think, I think that West is afraid that Brock is going to try and commit this robbery again. They know that they're headed up to Corpse with Banner because the two younger people have never met them. And they want the, the premise is, hey, let's go up and meet the guys at Corpse with Banner. You're going to love them. They're, they're, they're nutty. They got free wine. Let's go check it out. Free wine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that West thinks that the mere fact that he's got two other people with him are going to keep Brock from trying to do something stupid that okay. night. Yeah. And we're going to find out later that that did not work. <sighs> yeah. So Brock, the 17-year-old, goes and gets his uh, deceased father's 22-year-old rifle from his mother under the premise of going rabbit hunting later in the evening. Okay. They're going to ride around. We've all done the, the date where you ride around around this part of the world where there's not really much else to do. You just hop in the car and you drive around for a while, stopping at a Coke. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe smoke some cigarettes that you're not supposed to have, that kind of thing, <laughs> if you're so inclined. Anyway, so that was what was going to happen uh, that night. West was afraid, so he thinks that he's covering himself by having the two other people come along with him. Well, they get there and things go bad pretty fast. They, they meet Scudder and uh, Joey Odom is in the house and never comes out. Tony West never meets a Joey West that is alive. This Wait. all is about to happen really Wait, fast. Wait a minute. I'm start so that confused. Over. Okay, sorry. Odom and Scudder live together at Corpsewood Manor. Yes. West is going with Brock. With Brock. Brock's been there before. Yes. West has never been there before. Yeah, because okay, they, well, they went up there. And- well, he never met Odom before. He went once before, but he did not meet the other guy. Okay. Now, did the two teenagers go with them? Yes. Okay. And they are going for their first time. Okay. So this is all brand new to them. All of them drive up in the same car. Yes. Okay. In a javelin. And- I don't I don't know. Uh, it, they don't make them anymore. <laughs> okay. There's a good reason why. All right. So they pull up to Corpsewood Manor. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Well, they go up to the pink room. Uh, they introduce themselves. Brock is the one who knows Scudder. And so uh, they introduce themselves. And Hey, do you have any? F- I told them that you have free wine. Can we have some? Sure. Come on upstairs. So they climb up to the pink Watch room. Watch out for the chickens. Yeah. Don't step over. The- I- Maybe they didn't have chickens at that time, but it was set up for chickens. Maybe okay. that time of year, right. you- your chickens just freeze to death. Here we have know. the pantry. No. Yeah, here's- I, yeah. think, I think you keep your chickens. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know know how that works. The next chicken coop I have will be my first one. So I don't know. Okay. All right. So pass the chickens, pass the pantry, pass the the canned peas. Mm -hmm. And they they pass the wine around. And um, there's there's a drug that they're using that is called uh, Toodaloo. And it is basically they're inhaling paint thinner. Okay. But there's there's a procedure where you dip a rag into the paint thinner and you put it in a plastic bag. I don't want to give away too much here in case somebody's thinking about trying it. And then you put that bag over your face and you inhale it and it and gets you high. Toodaloo. Kind of like a whippet situation. Exactly. That's what I was trying to think of is like a whippet thing. Um, 
And so they, they bring that with them. That's not something that Dr. Scudder uses, but again, he's the church of Satanists, and hey, whatever you want to do to your body, that's up to you. Even if it's a bad idea, I'm not here to stop you. Satanism even believes though, you do what you want. Well, even though he was employed for a medical college, doesn't matter. By he's, a medical college, he's, he's retired. He's a Satanist, and that Satanist forget all that. Let health. you do whatever you want. Okay, all right. that's just one of the tenets all of their right. religion. He's probably not going to partake in that, huh? But he did not. No. Uh, and so, uh, under the premise of having run out of Tootaloo, Brock goes downstairs, uh, back down the ladder, and he comes back up with the 22 rifle that he has borrowed from his mother. And several stories that I read, the first impression that Dr. Scudder has is he looks over and laughs and goes, ha ha, bang, bang. What are you going to do with that? And goes right back to the conversation he's having with someone else. Like thinks he's just come to show it off. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. a 17-year-old kid. Hey, I got a new rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, So at some point, Brock overpowers Scudder, uh, ties him up, and the girl and the boy are freaking out. They don't know what's going on because they they didn't know anything about this robbery plan. This is a terrible first date. Terrible. Worst first date of all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and West wishes that none of this had happened, but he's like, okay, well, I guess we were going to do this anyway, and I guess now we're just going to go ahead and do it. We're here now. What? We're here now. Let's get this over with. Oh, okay. And I, I, don't, I don't know what the guy was thinking, but he didn't stop him. So they tie Scudder up. Well, I mean, he does have a gun. Right. And he's High on toodaloo. Yes. So And wine and whatever, whatever else. Yeah. So uh, Brock goes downstairs and without going into too much detail and how many times have I had to say this? He kills the dogs. First? He first kills the dogs. Well, that's probably where I would start. They're 200 pounds apiece. <sighs> well, because that was the whole premise or the whole reason for not doing yeah, I mean, it the first the time was we didn't dogs. have the gun to get rid of but, the dogs. But I mean, dogs. you've gotten past the guard dogs. No, the dogs, the dogs are in the house. Okay, but He's you, going downstairs to knock on the door I mean, because could, he wants Odom to come out and come okay, upstairs so, with so him. Okay, so Odom is not in the pink, has not Odom been has, in the pink room no, this entire time. Correct. He's downstairs okay, so washing he's got, dishes. That makes, that makes sense to me. So now he's yeah. got to, we've got to get everybody in one correct. place. Yeah. Okay. So okay, he go goes ahead. downstairs and he's going, he's, he's going to try to get Odom. I don't know exactly what happens there. Uh, something ensues, some confusion. The dogs get shot and Odom gets shot. And so we've got a dead man in, okay. right, in the, right in the middle of the doorway. Of the and main two dead house. dogs of the main house. At two dogs and the man. Yes. Okay. And so Brock goes back up to the pink room, brings everybody down with him at gunpoint. Okay. And of course, Scudder uh, freaks out when he sees his friend and lover dead on the floor of his mm-hmm. foyer. Yeah, sure. Um, they all go into the house. Um. Scudder at some point becomes a little bit belligerent, like as if to say to himself, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get out of here. And that's when West grabs the gun from Brock and he also commits a murder. So they've both shot and killed so he shoots one Scudder. person apiece. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's, so a lot of things happen next, but they basically, they take the, the, the two kids back home and say, hey, don't say anything or we'll kill you. Just, just take them home. Just drop them off. Don't say anything. And what they said is, look, if they come after us tomorrow, we will know that you told them what we did. Oh if it's gosh. a week from now, we're not going to blame you. And we're going to let you live. Now, there's a stupid thing to do right there. Commit a murder in front of two witnesses and turn them loose and say, hey, promise not to say anything. Because guess what happens? 
I'm going to say that they say something. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Right. How long does it take them to it go? It takes them two days. They are they are scared to death because they don't yeah. know where they have gone. They don't know that they have stolen Scudder's Jeep, taken off for... They've told everybody that they're headed to Florida to, to start a new construction job, but they're really headed towards Texas to try and sneak over the line and live in Mexico for oh, the rest the of their lives. Okay. Did they actually steal anything? Yeah, they grabbed a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, trinkets and anything that was gold or silver. Mm-hmm. And here's a funny story that I hope we get to. It all ended up in Weiss Lake. Are you? F- don't, don't <laughs> let me forget that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to skip ahead so I can get back to that because I didn't know that until an hour before we well, sat down. Well, that story today. is going to happen on this podcast okay. because there's our tie to local right? Al- Northeast and Alabama. It happened in Cedar Bluff, Alabama. A bunch of that stuff got thrown into Weiss Lake by West. So they head off in the Jeep. They're driving all night. Everybody thinks that they're headed to Florida or the kids are scared that they're still around and they're going to kill them if they say anything. Oh, they're so, terrified. So they don't say anything for two days until they find, someone else finds the bodies. A friend of, the, of, of Scudder's goes up to visit. Everything looks weird. He sees bullet holes. He calls the sheriff. They find the dead bodies, the two dead men and the two dead dogs. Mm-hmm. A manhunt ensues. Just about the time that the sheriff gets up there, he gets a message that 17-year-old Teresa Hudgens would like to speak with him because mm-hmm. now she knows that it's out. She's talked to her parents and her boyfriend's parents, and they're like, you got to go to the cops. And they said, you better yeah. call immediately. Yeah, they end up in a hotel in Rome, Georgia, under police protection, just in case mm-hmm. uh, Brock or Wes try to come back and do them harm. Mm-hmm. But they're all the way over in Mississippi at this point because they've already killed someone else. They stop at a rest area to sleep it off. Mm. They've driven as far as they can in the Jeep. They barely have any money. They're just they're trying to scrape together change to put enough gas in the car to keep going. Uh, I think gas was probably about uh, 85 cents a gallon back then, so it didn't need quite as much as you do today to fill the tank, but Man, still. those were the days. Right? Um, but they're at a rest area, and they see a guy asleep in his car. And it turns out his name is uh, Phelps, and he is a lieutenant in the Navy. He is driving back from Jacksonville, Florida, where he's been stationed, to visit his mother. Don't forget, it's December the 13th right now. Mm -hmm. He's driving back to Oklahoma City to visit his mother for Christmas. Yeah, guess guess what she got for Christmas? Oh, not not her son. He wasn't even bothering anybody. Not at all. Why did they kill this man? He was asleep because they needed to change cars. Because don't forget that that Jeep that Scudder has has pentagrams painted on the door. So they start to think, hey, this may look pretty noticeable, conspicuous. Mm -hmm. So they. Get him out of the car. They walk him 200 yards into the woods close to Vicksburg, Mississippi. And the story that is told is that he tries to escape and West shoots and kills him with a 22 pistol that they found in Scudder's house. They don't have the rifle anymore. They returned the rifle and brought it right back to Brock's home before they left. So the cops had the murder weapon before they had the murderers. Oh, Good wow. gosh. These people are so dumb. Genius, right? Yeah. Anyway, so they kill Phelps. They take his car, which is a Toyota Corolla. And they drive to Austin, Texas. A bunch of things happen there. They meet some people. They sell a bunch of uh, of the merchandise that they've taken from Scudder. And uh, Phelps' car is loaded down with stuff because he's headed home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. He's got a radio and binoculars and all kinds. Of, they sell a bunch of that stuff and get money to keep going. But they get into an argument, the two of them do, somewhere in Austin, Texas. And Brock goes, you know what? I'm done with this. He hitchhikes home. And three days later, he is in Marietta, Georgia, and calls his mom and says, hey, can you come get me? And she says, well, son, I'll come get you, but I don't think I'm going to be alone because 
every cop in Chattooga County is looking for you right now. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't care. I'm tired of running. Come get me. So they pick him up. And it's a couple of days later before West turns up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's still driving the Corolla. Okay. And he turns himself into, it's Christmas Eve when they find West because he is at a, he's at the Palomino Club near the state line in Chattanooga, close to where the Georgia state line is. It's in a pouring down rainstorm. He's wearing a stolen three-piece suit that belonged to Phelps. Mm-hmm. And he walks right up to a police officer and says, please take me to jail. I'm, I'm, I want this to be over with. So we get those two guys into custody mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Uh, Mrs. Phelps gets a terrible phone call the day before that her son's never coming to visit again. And we have two convicted murderers, I'm sorry, two accused murderers Mm -hmm. in jail and enough eyewitnesses to put them under the jail for the next rest of their lives. And I think this is where it is. Oh, the the thing about Weiss Lake. So when West is driving back, he turns around and heads back from Austin back towards home. He's like, screw it. I'm going home. Okay. And he gets to Cedar Bluff. Okay. And he pulls over on Christmas Eve all it says in the book is by a river. So maybe just the water was down in the wintertime and it looked like a river. Well, if he's like Cedar Bluff area near Galesville, that's the... That could be over there at the, the Chattahoochee. Ch- yeah. Or the Chattooga River. Yeah, the Chattooga, Chattooga River. River. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so he's he, he starts to think that all the things in this truck... Which feeds to Westlake. Correct. Uh, you know, starting to look a little incriminating. Uh, incriminating. So he throws it all in the lake. And I didn't read enough to know if they found it or not or, or dug it out, but uh, that's the story that he tells when he's incarcerated the next day that he threw it all into the river in Cedar Bluff, Alabama. So all of the, all of the things that he took from Corpsewood could possibly be at the bottom of Wise Lake. Oh boy, I wish you hadn't said it that way. <laughs> we'll have people out with nets dragging the lake tomorrow. There's no telling what's in They'll find that. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll find looking. that with yeah. the sharks and the... That's not going to be the worst thing <laughs> you find. Alligators. alligators. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now we've got these two... Uh, accused murderers yeah. in custody mm-hmm. and, and Katie. there's two trials of course because there's two people mm-hmm. and we'll start with West's West oh. West's yeah <laughs> that's weird to say that yeah um, he is charged with murder and robbery okay. the the big thing in it the defense attorney states that he was involuntarily intoxicated by drugs during the visit. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that the doctor drugged them. Yes. And that's what ensued this rage and this, the criminal activity that took place after the fact. And which is horseshit. Cause they brought their own toodaloo. Right. And, uh, the prosecution doesn't bring up the LSD that the doctor has. And they kind of, you know, they, they do their best to not, really talk about it or let it come into conversation because they don't want it to cloud Mm -hmm. the prosecution and the defense attorney states, well, you know, we don't have anything to prove in this case because that as a defense attorney, that's not, you're, you're not proving anything. That's the, that's right. The Mm -hmm. burden of proof is on the prosecution. That's, you know, the American justice system, but he's like, but we have proven that there's a reason that the prosecution is hiding the LSD. Yeah, we're like, what? So his defense attorney states that Dr. Shutter spiked that wine with LSD and led to, you know, mind-altering scenarios. And the I don't know if the 
jury asks the judge this or if the judge just volunteers this information, but the judge says if the jury believes this and finds that to be true to them, that they have to find him innocent because if he, he wouldn't have had the, suffi- the, the sufficient mental capacity to distinguish between right and wrong in that situation. So if they decide that the doctor really did involuntarily drug him with this LSD and he was having these hallucinations and everything that LSD produces, that they have to find him innocent. The defense states, um, like once again, that you know, the burden of proof is not on them, and that, but that there was this spiked one. Mm-hmm. And the prosecution says that the murders were premeditated. They, you know, he brought a gun there. They decided that they were going to rob this place, that they had planned this robbery. And that's the statements that Brock and West made themselves mm-hmm. to investigators. Yeah, to the GBI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, what kind of person is this? This is a person who has the nerve to wear clothing of his victims. You know, he's found in that yeah. stolen clothing. Mm-hmm. It's, they said, you know, he had made a statement to the GBI telling them about those plans and he didn't bring up this LSD in any of those statements. No. Why wasn't, if, if that is true, why didn't he talk about these insane hallucinations he was seeing? Why didn't he talk about the dragons in the room and the, you know, the walls crumbling and the, the crazy, the, the prosecution says this LSD is a red herring. Like they're using it, mm-hmm. you know, yes, he, you know, they're, they're throwing this term LSD out to try to throw them off of everything that's going around. They try to get Brock in there to testify against West, but he's like, no, I'm not, I've got a trial of my own coming up. He doesn't answer any questions from them. You'd think they would have offered him maybe a plea deal to mm-hmm. turn state's evidence, but I guess not. I guess, okay. yeah. He, West is found guilty on two counts of murder and one count of robbery. He is initially sentenced to death. And after some appeals, he's ordered a retrial and he receives a life sentence after that. And then we have the trial of Brock. And Brock pleads guilty. And he receives three consecutive life sentences. They both receive consecutive life sentences. They have both been denied parole multiple times. Well, and with Brock being, is, is he still 17? Or he's 17 at the time of the murder. He's 17 at the time of the murder. He's tried as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because of the His birthday severity. Was, okay. I think he, it said at one point in the book that I read that he was two months shy of his 18th birthday when okay. this happened. So figure the first of next year. So by the time the trial rolls around, he's an adult. He is an adult, any- but... But they're going to try him as an adult because yeah. mm-hmm. of the severity. and They probably and take into consideration that he started it. He brought the gun. Mm-hmm. He killed the first person. Yeah. Like, he, he put all this into motion. Okay. But he does plead guilty. So, he's not, he doesn't go through trial. And, like I said, they are both denied parole multiple times. They've come up for parole. Tony West is currently in Wilcox State Prison. In, or, he was the last yeah. thing I heard. In Abbeville, Georgia. And Avery is a uh, Avery Brock is in Coffee Correctional Facility in Nichols, Georgia. And if you if you do any research of this on your own, you may somewhere come across the fact that at some point in the trial itself, uh, Brock was referred to as Lawrence as his last name. Like his name is Avery Brock Lawrence. Okay, but he oh. like that was a like that was a, a stepfather's name or an original. It was all it was Brock in the book that I read. But okay. when they started printing transcripts from the trial itself in mm-hmm. the book that I was reading, a lot of the 
like the sheriff would say, Mr. Lawrence did this, or the judge would say, Mr. Lawrence did that. So if you stumble across that and it's confusing. That's, they're talking about Avery Lawrence Brock. Lawrence is Brock. Okay. And I yeah. think his full name is Kenneth Avery Brock. Kenneth Avery Brock Lawrence or Lawrence Brock or something. But it was okay. Brock and everything that I read until I got to the trial transcripts. Mm-hmm. And then they started calling him Lawrence, the folks in the courtroom. Did. And then it's Samuel Anthony West. And he mm-hmm. went by Tony. Yeah. Okay. So what is the name of this book that you read? Uh, it was called Corpsewood, A Murder Like No Other. And I told uh, Katie about this over the weekend. Yeah. I downloaded it. It's You can get it for free on Kindle Unlimited. It's huge. And it's huge. I thought I was reading the entire book. You know how when you read on a Kindle, it gives you the percentage of the book mm-hmm. that is complete or that you've read so far? And I didn't notice that it was just the sample that I had downloaded. So, I mean, I read for two days and... Ran You're just out, reading the sample, and I was just reading the sample. Of the book, seven hundred thirty-two pages. Now, who wrote that book? Uh, Ellis. His last name is Daniel Ellis. Dan yeah. Ellis. And you know the woman or the girl at the time, Teresa. She wrote a book as well. Oh, did she? Mm-hmm. A uh, firsthand account, and it's it. The title of it escapes me. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's uh, it, it's on her firsthand account of the, t- the girl of who was everything that happened. The, the okay. girl. Yep. Oh, that's because oh, definitely I, put that in the show notes. I want to know what that yeah, book is because I had planned to read that one. I did not have time before we recorded, but yeah, and there's a lot that a there's a lot that happens that night. I mean, supposedly at one point they all they were ready to leave. West thought he had the whole situation handled and everybody was going to get in the car and leave, and nothing was going to happen that night. And they get down into the car and they turn the key, and the car won't start. So they go back up into the pink room to stay warm because the car's flooded. They can try it in a few minutes and, and get it going again. And then when they go back up the second time. So that's before any of it that's happened. That's before any of that happened. They go back up the second time and that's when Brock goes down and gets the rifle and comes back up and then things start to happen. So he is wanting to rob them. The plan to begin with is not to murder them. Is that, am I understanding that right? Or are we just, I think there was some, I think there was a a level of anger that Brock had towards Scudder because he had been busted receiving oral sex from Scudder and West found out about it. What? I think there was a level of information. I think there was a level of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So he, he goes back up into the pink room and discovers the two of them. That was the first visit. Remember, they visited two days before just the two of them. They didn't bring the teenagers with them on December the 10th. It was just the two of them. And And at some point, there is a discovery that something uh, in the area of sodomy is going on between Scudder and Brock. And Brock. And Brock becomes infuriated, according to Ellis's book. And he starts to talk about how he wants to kill Scudder for what he did. Because he feels emasculated because his older friend has seen him in the middle of this act. That he was consenting to. That he was consenting time. to at the time, but now he wants to pretend like he wasn't, and he was being forced, and he was being drugged, and it was against his will. And so that is okay. part of his argument about why he wants to go back and take the gun. I want to kill that son of a bitch. Those are his words. Mm-hmm. I want to kill that son of a bitch because of what he did. According to their testimony to the GBI when they were first arrested, that there were there were talks of murder and robbery. Yeah. Okay, so they're... Okay. And that's why I will always think that it was the 17-year-old kid. I think the 28-year-old, I think West had enough sense to think, hey, let me see if I can get us out of this situation. Because he'd already done it once when he said, we can't do it, we don't have a gun, and they have big dogs. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, he invited the teenagers on their first date to come along. I think he thought maybe this kid's, surely to God, he's not stupid enough to commit a murder in front of two witnesses. Mm-hmm. But he was. And then West and jumped right in, and they both did it. Those teenagers are just lucky that they made it out alive. Unbelie- I can't believe that they did. And, and if, the, if, the, if Wells hadn't been West's 19-year-old nephew, I don't know that they would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, again, like you said, it doesn't. It didn't make West murder murder two people. I mean, he he jumped right in, like you said. Yeah, and murdered two yeah. people. I mean, he he had he especially had, the guy at the uh, he had done it before. He had shot a man mm-hmm. in anger before, and mm-hmm. it was his own freaking brother in law. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a guy that he's never met, he didn't even know Charles Scudder's name. Do we even when he got there? Do we night. even is there part of us who, who da- maybe doubts a little bit that that West was trying to stop this so much. I don't I mean, know. I mean, I think it, that was his story to try to, it makes, I mean, it makes sense with the, with the excuse about not having the gun and the excuse okay. about, you know, and he was, mm-hmm. it was him specifically who invited the other two to come along. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, just, you know, older and wiser, right? He's at 28, 30 years old. He's been in prison. Maybe he's like, Hey, you know what? I don't want to go back to prison. It's almost Christmas. Mm, well, I mean, not that there's a good yeah, time to go it. to prison. Or maybe mm. he just didn't think that there was a good enough plan in place. Or that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe mm. they're going to sit around and stew it over for another month and then go back. Maybe mm-hmm. he wanted yeah. to go do some recon. He'd only been to the place once. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. a good, that's a good point. Uh, Katie. Maybe that's exactly what happened. Cause he wasn't averse to committing crimes. Correct. Uh, that is correct. So I, right. we'll never know. Um, mm. But there's tons of YouTube videos out there. And I think there is one that is actually an interview with, it's either with West or Brock uh, that mm. their son conducts. But mm-hmm. it's so, the, the accents are so thick. And I've lived in Cherokee County, Alabama for my entire life. And I can barely understand what they're saying. Oh, wow. So give it a shot if you like, but okay. prepare to be frustrated. And that's on YouTube. Yes. Okay. Well, and there's a lot of um, spook stories and. Uh, you know, things surrounding corpse wood. I mean, people mm. want to go up there and have a good scare. And, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, you, if you look at some of the most haunted places in, in Alabama, you're going to probably see corpse wood. And yeah. There's so many, it's become an urban legend. It has. And there's, you know, just briefly about what happened to corpse wood. I mean, not too long after that, the next summer there was a fire there and all of the structures all, the portion of the structure that wasn't brick was destroyed. All the wood burned. So you've got this shell of a two-story house with no roof. And over the years, that was in 83. And so that's been, what, uh, um, 50... Decades ago. Yeah, 48 years ago. So it looks years ago, creepy. 38 years it ago. It looks creepy. It looks creepy. It's overgrown. The trees have fallen down around it. Uh, people over the years have pushed over part of the brick archways that were built by Scudder and Odom. So uh, the most recent video that I saw was from January of this year, I think, on YouTube. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to even know. If you don't know exactly what the layout of the land was, Originally, it might be hard to even know that you're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and that's why I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I saw enough in my yeah. research that I, I didn't oh, yeah. want to make the trick. Yeah, over, I so. don't. I don't blame you. Well, Scott, that was that is a wild story. <sighs> oh my gosh, are you tired? <laughs> I am, and I'm. You know, I've read half that book. I've I've got to finish it now, and I'm just going to be reading the part that Katie already knows about mm-hmm. the trial. I've gotten mm-hmm. to the point where they turn themselves in, mm-hmm. but I really want to read about the rest of it just to just to learn the whole story for well, myself. Well, and, and and as you finish that book, and if you read the if anybody reads the book, um, I definitely want to by Teresa, the mm-hmm. teenage girl yeah. that witnessed everything. Teresa you know, maybe, Hudgens. Okay, Sorry. maybe we'll have a a, a follow up episode later, and and if there's more enlightening information we can we can talk about it well i got nothing else to do on monday afternoon so let me know (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us today um we hope that your week is going well and uh follow us on all our social media places Come see us uh, live. Come see us live the the night if you're listening to it the day this drops we'll be live tonight yeah follow us uh oh look on spotify google 
podcast. I knew you were going to take a shot at it. Go, oh, keep going, keep crap. going. You got it. Uh, iTunes, Anchor. Anchor. There it is. There we go. Yeah, if you want to, I mean, obviously wherever you're listening, but uh, tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Tell your tell your family. Yeah, we're gonna get that merch thing solved. Yeah, by next Christmas, we mm-hmm. promise. Give us a five star rating and make a comment so that we can give you a shout out. Uh, we'd love those. Thank you so much. Am I missing anything else, guys? I probably, but I can't think about what it is. We won't know until <laughs> ten seconds after we turn off the microphone. And we'll say, "Oh, we should have said this next time." Yes. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Good night, everybody.